Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 176. I'm your host, Emily Aries, and I am just back from Bossed Up Bootcamp this weekend in Los Angeles, where we had an incredible final bootcamp weekend of 2019 with some really brilliant and wonderful women who are leveling up in their careers and lives. Thank you to everyone who joined me there. We had the whole Bossed Up team there, Kirby, who manages this whole podcast production and bootcamp logistics, as well as Ellie, who manages to make everything that Bossed Up produces beautiful. She is the creative genius behind Bossed Up. And it was just such a wonderful way to close out the year of Bossed Up in 2019. So thanks to everyone who joined us there. As I've mentioned previously on the podcast, we're now taking a little hiatus as we reconfigure bootcamp and relaunch it in the new year. So stay tuned for more on that and lots of new ways for us to work together in the new year. I'm so, so excited for what we're working on. Now, today's conversation is a great one, especially for those who found last week's conversation interesting with Amber McReynolds. Last Tuesday's episode, Being a Young Leader at Work, episode 174, was all about when ageism and sexism combine on the young end of the ageism spectrum. And even though we've touched upon ageism and sexism in this podcast before, I really wanted to answer in today's conversation some questions we've been getting from more seasoned and experienced women in our community who are navigating the job search process and career transitions with some more, you know, mature considerations and concerns in mind. Like, If you want to make a big risk or make a big change or take a big risk in your career, but you have retirement on the near horizon, how does that impact making this kind of a transition? So today's episode is going to be all about that. And joining me to break all of this down is Kathy Caprino, a nationally recognized women's work life and career expert, speaker, and author of Breakdown Breakthrough, the professional women's guide to claiming a life of passion, power, and purpose. As a trained psychotherapist, specialized career and executive coach, and sought-after writer and speaker on women's issues, she's the founder and president of Elia Communications Incorporated and a former corporate VP who today openly talks about her own journey of breakthrough and transformation. Kathy and I have known each other for a while now, and she was actually a bit of a mentor to me when I first started Bossed Up. I've cited some of her um, findings often, which will come up in today's interview, So I invited Kathy on the podcast today as a response to a big conversation, a very robust thread I started in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook, which if you haven't joined already, make sure you go ahead and do so now. Just go to bossedup.org, sign up for our emails, and the first email that you get from me will give you the insider link to get there. 
Um, and here's what I was asking. I was asking what you want me to cover more on this very podcast. What do you feel like is lacking? What do you feel like we don't talk about often enough? And Sarah said, mid-career moves, especially regarding retirement. I'm 20 years in with the federal government. I'd want to hear more about women in retirement and mid-career needs that are not usually addressed. Michelle chimed in to add her voice to the chorus by saying, yes, building a sustainable career when you didn't realize you could be more assertive about doing that over the past 20 years and have made or are navigating a career change. So essentially what I'm hearing is, A, we got to talk more about money and, and retirement. And I'm totally taking note of that. I'm geeking out on money this year myself anyway. So we'll definitely talk more about money on this podcast. But B, is really navigating career change as a mid-career or more seasoned career professional, seasoned and experienced professional. So I'm excited to have Kathy on the line today to help us break things down and really think about what those ramifications are of age and career change or navigating a big career change when you are not 22 and have more on the line to lose. So Kathy, welcome to the Boss Up Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Emily. Thank you for having me. I am so glad to have you. I've long admired the work that you do in terms of especially aiding career transitioners and women looking to level up in their careers and lives. And you have always been a bit of a mentor to me. As I, When I was just getting started, you gave me some great insights. So thank you for your longtime support. Thank you. That seems like a hundred years ago. You've soared so high. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love to see it. It's been a climb. Well, it is. It is. Anyone who thinks differently is in for a, a you know, yeah. awakening. It's work. <laughs> Absolutely. So first, why don't you give our listeners a little context as to where you focus your practice and, and really how you got into this work of helping people create the careers that they would love? Oh, I'd love to talk about that. So just briefly, uh, I had an 18-year corporate career that I <laughs> hoped, you know, would be great. And and I did my best to make it great. And so it was successful on the outside, but not successful on the inside. So for those you hear from who say I'm in mid-career and it's not going the way I want or it's not what I dreamed, I'm right there. I so understand what that feels like. And there can be a real urgency you know, we were talking earlier about how is career transition different when you're midlife? Yeah. One of the things that's different is when you turn 40 or you're 50 and you look at the number of years ahead of you versus behind you, mm -hmm. there's an urgency. And there's also, I think, often when we hit 40, we want meaning. We've gotten through a lot of the milestones. Maybe yeah. we got married. Maybe we had babies. And it's all settled, settled a little bit. But at 40, what I hear from women is, oh, my gosh, I need to feel that my work is more purposeful. Mm, so if, to answer that first question, that's what I'm that I help mid to high level professional women, mid career women who wake up and say, I want more different and better. That's yes. what I work with. But quickly, my story was <laughs> I couldn't figure out throughout these 18 years, how to change this career. It was mm. marketing, membership services, market research, and some of it was good, you know, and I was successful, but I, I didn't, I felt like an imposter. Mm. I didn't feel it was meaningful. I didn't feel it was me and I couldn't figure out what to do. So long, long story short, after a brutal layoff, after 9-11, I became a therapist. I just went, pendulum swing. How far right. away can I get from this unhappy life mm -hmm. career? 
and became a therapist. But what I realized was I'm really was really drawn to working with professional women who felt that I need a change and I'm lost as to what that change could be. And Kathy, why therapy? Why did I become a therapist? Yeah. You know, here's the story. I love this story. I was in therapy therapeutic help with a spiritual psychotherapist two years, um, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out why am I so unhappy in my work? I loved my kids. I loved my family. Why is work so unhappy for me? And then I get laid off. And a week after that, I'm in his office crying. Mm -hmm. I tell this story everywhere because I love it. He said, (laughs) I know from where you sit at age 41, this is the worst crisis you've ever faced. But from where I sit, it's the first moment you can choose who you want to be in the world. Mm. Now, who do you want to be? Now, for anyone listening who is trying to make a career trend, career change, transition, we don't know who we want to be or we would have been it. <laughs> right. So my mind went just blank, but sure. I blurted out, I want to be you. Interesting. And he said, like the great coaching question is, what does that mean to you? And all I could say was, I want to help people not hurt people and be hurt. Mm, yes. And from that pivotal statement, he said, you know, I've known you for two years. I think you'd make a great therapist. And I can hear, I mean, I can see why, right? I think that's part of Thank what informs you. your coaching and it informs your work so deeply and grounds you with such a strong background. And you mentioned this word pendulum, which I frequently cite your your term pendulum effect and say, this mm. is Kathy Caprino's really great Aww. insight on career transition. Tell me about the pendulum effect. Let's explain that to our listeners too. All right. So this is what I see. When you've stayed in a career that is painful to you, either, and you know, I have a course too, every day I'm hearing, I'm not respected. I'm not, I'm passed over. Mm. They don't listen to me it's crushing, it's competitive, there's patriarchy, on and on. When you're in a career that's painful and you don't make changes because you don't know what to do, you're scared because of money, because of your 401k, because of all of it, because of benefits, because you don't know what you would do, you stay too long. And when we stay too long, we often then have a breakdown moment. Something happens that slaps us to our knees And we say, I can't do this one more second. I was Mm -hmm. going to swear, one more effing second. (laughs) So then what often happens, people go, the pendulum to the farthest place they can go that is different from what they're doing. And I have a really funny example. I can't tell you, Emily, how many people have said to me, I think I want to start a bed and breakfast. I can't tell you. I mean, I'd be a millionaire for everybody who said that. So I say, why? We talk about it. They seem to have good reasons. And I say to them, part of the five steps of of doing successful career transition that I talk about, try it on, explore it. I want you to go to three bed and breakfasts, interview the owners. They come back three weeks later and say, oh my goodness, I (laughs) never want to run a bed and breakfast. But what I do want to do is event planning, or I want to become a chef, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. So we often run to the thing that we think is going to heal us. So for me, just thinking that I would help people instead of be hurt was the, the balm for my soul. The interesting thing, truthfully, Emily, is while the the training was incredible and life-changing, and I use it every minute of every day, even in my own personal life, being a therapist, that professional identity wasn't right for me. 
Right. And it, so it sounds like the pendulum concept is that you you swing too far in one direction, which right. is a perfectly natural part of this. And then tell us about how you swung a little bit back and found the right balance, right? Like that, that I just love that concept. I would love to tell you that, but I want to tell people one thing about by, why usually the pendulum effect doesn't work. And this is the therapeutic training. When people are in pain, and, and I also want to throw this out quickly, so many women that I work with, immediately I can tell they have narcissism in their life. They had an emotionally manipulative parent, usually some form of a narcissist. When, if you have any of that, if you've been passed over and, and bad stuff has been happening chronically, when, right, wherever right. something repeats, you're co-creating it. The reason the pendulum effect move doesn't work is no matter what you end up doing, bed and breakfast chef or therapist or a million other things, you're still you in the job and the same stuff will happen. That's why you've got to work on yourself first before you make that move. One quick note for the listeners too. We did an episode with therapist Lena Durhali, I'll link to in the show notes. Neat. And she talked a lot about narcissism at work oh, wow. because unfortunately yeah. leadership and narcissism are too frequently confused for one right? another. <laughs> Ooh, I'd so love to it's a definite conversation to, to check out if you want more. And your book, Breakdown, Breakthrough, I feel like tells the story in even more depth. Is that correct? It does. It does. Actually, the forthcoming book that's coming out from HarperCollins, um, Most Powerful You, there's a whole section on narcissism and what your childhood, you are what your childhood taught you to be. That's that's the truth, unless you've healed it and unlearned it. Well, I'm getting those therapist vibes from you, Kathy. It's holding up. It's holding (laughs) up. Now, back to your other question, balance. Balance is what we're striving for in every possible way in our life. So what I found, for instance, um, in merging kind of a therapeutic lens with coaching is I do love the professional world. I love working with professional women rather than another group of women that I love that. I'm comfortable with that. I spent 20 years in the corporate world. So what's interesting is the balance part has become, I actually am happiest as an entrepreneur. I don't want to be in the corporate world. I'm happier running my own business, but yet I understand professional women's challenges so well that I, it's joyful for me every day to work in that arena. I mean, talk about those issues. So that's that's the balance rather than, you know, rape, incest, pedophilia, suicide, that kind of thing, which never was comfortable for me, you know, truthfully. Well, I'm glad you found your niche because it's so clearly working. And I know that, that you really bring a very unique approach. And what I love, and the reason you're on the podcast today is that you had this pivot point in your career when you were 41, as you said. So the many listeners we have here at Bossed Up, are all coming to this show because they want to level up in their careers in some way. But I've heard from our listeners, and I appreciate this feedback from our listeners, that how is it sometimes different or more or less challenging or more or less dire when you find yourself in your 40s or in your 50s with that 401k number very top of mind worrying about if you can afford to retire and when you can afford to retire. And at that point, you're you're going through a breakthrough or you're going through a breakdown and wondering, is it still possible with all that we're up against in this world to pivot your career? What would you say in advising those women? 
These are such good questions. So uh, let me tackle the first part. It's different in these ways. If you're 40 or 50, you've spent a lot of years honing something and trying to Mm. be successful and and having success. So when you want to leave that behind, it's, it's daunting. Because you wonder, was that all wasted? What am I going to do? How do I leverage that? There's more confusion. Interesting. I think secondly, there's an urgency. I've got to do this quickly. So maybe when you were 23, you could get the master's and it was okay because you're going to be 25 by the time you're done. What people feel is, oh my gosh, I don't want to blow it. I don't have the money to blow it. That makes me even more scared to do anything. The third thing is, Usually we're in a bit of debt by 40, you know, or 50. You've got kids in college or you're paying for private school or you've got, or here's the other issue. I work with a lot of women who their lifestyle has risen to match their salary. Right. And they can't, they'll say to me, I'll say, how much do you have to make? And they'll often quote the number that they're making today. Well, that's not accurate. You could sell your home. You could move to a different part of the world, different part of the country. But of course, they don't consider that. And and I didn't either. I'm in a big house in Wilton, Connecticut. Why am I going to move? But really, actually, downsizing was the happiest thing I've ever done. So those are the reasons, really. It's financial. It's fears. It's I don't want to lose everything I've killed myself for. It's all of those things that make it harder. Yeah. And one of the ways I hear that come up for women is I've got responsibilities. Who am I to take this job and career I've created for granted and want more? How dare I just want something more meaningful when I've got kids who rely on my breadwinning or on my salary or on my time, when I've got a partner that relies on those things, when I've got high, high expenses, as you mentioned. Yes. There's a worthiness underlying challenge, right? There's an underlying challenge of, am I worth creating a career that actually fulfills me? And it paralyzes us, right? You're so right. And I, as a build to that, we are trained not mm. to prioritize mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, I talk a lot about patriarchy. We're in a patriarchal world and Patriarchy is, as Terry Real, who a therapist who I've interviewed, says, you know, patriarchy is the water we swim in and we're the fish. And part of that is you don't put yourself first. Secondly, as I had in my my marriage, there's often an unwritten, unspoken contract. So sometimes the spouse isn't generating as much, but is more stay at home. And your contract is you're the one bringing in the money in the 401k. And when you want to change that, it changes the, the relationship, right. it changes your partnership. So these are no small things. No. You know, anyone who says, just do it, right. doesn't get it. Just, you don't get it. You don't get yeah. it. But it is doable. There are ways to do it. I want to get to that in a moment. I also, I want to share a story because this keeps coming up for me in my mind as we're chatting. Mm. I came back from the Texas Conference on Women in Austin. Oh, wow. It was so fun. I've, I've been speaking at their events for a couple of years now in Philly, Texas, Boston last year. And it's just amazing. Like 5,000 to 10,000 women per conference was wild. But this woman I met was in her late 40s, had just two years ago, had gotten out of a 17 or 18 year run. Actually, maybe it was more like 25 or 27 year run with Whole Foods. Mm. 
And when they were acquired by Amazon, the work she was doing was no longer necessary. And so she stayed at home for the past two years. Money is not a huge concern for her, which I know is not indicative of every woman facing this issue, but she's trying to figure out how to leap back in and has no idea. You know, so there are different on ramps and off ramps Mm -hmm. that it sounds like women Mm -hmm. face and that compounds with kids and and partnerships that make getting back into the workforce. If you've taken any kind of a break, another challenge for women in their 40s, 50s and beyond. Mm -hmm. Does she not know where to begin because she feels that the career she had is no longer viable? No, she feels like she doesn't know what meaningful work would look like for her. She wants meaning, but she has no idea what that looks like because she's only seen herself in this one arena of, I think she was managing partnerships of some kind that now Amazon has. Wow. Interesting. I'd love to, I'd love to work with her (laughs) because (laughs) this is very common when we're not going to do the thing we were going to do that we used to do. Yeah. We go completely blank. Mm. Whereas, you know, this is one thing I want to say as a tip to mid-career transitioners. I really believe that the best, if you can do it, the best way to pivot and change is not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not to shuck everything. Right. Like, you know, I was a marketing person. I do marketing every single day in my coaching business. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just focused on things that matter to me now. And <laughs> I didn't love those programs before. But what we want to do, I think, is can I talk about the five steps, oh, yeah, Emily, please. that I think are really helpful that I think even address this story? Absolutely. There are five steps when you want to make a big change in life or in career. They are step back for an empowered perspective. What I mean by that is, Everyone is amazing. Everyone has gifts and talents that someone else doesn't have. Every single person on this planet. But we are not trained to see what those are. We have no idea. And, you know, you were talking about, Kathy, you sound like a therapist. (laughs) I often talk about connect the dots of who you always have been. Right. And at 18, I was therapeutic. People would come, young people, my friends, can I come talk to you? And I'm like, what do they want to talk to me about? I'm 18, I'm 16. But I had a therapeutic year back then. You're like, step into my office, my Right, (laughs) that's it. My mother's like, what's going on over there? (laughs) Anyway, I think we all have dots. And Steve Jobs said it at his beautiful commencement speech at Stanford. I'm not making this up. But we have always been someone. Now, sometimes that has been suppressed. Someone's always been a great writer, but they ended up writing marketing copy and never did the kind of writing they want. So the very first thing is step back and see who you really are. And there's ways to do it. I have a career path assessment that helps you do it. But what we want you to do when we're in these situations where we want change, we forget how amazing we really are. We want you to reconnect to that. Number two, we want you to let go of the thinking patterns and behaviors that are keeping you stuck. So I think behind what this woman might be saying Mm. is, who's going to take me now? I've been out of the workplace two years. My job is evaporated. There's some negative mindset there. Yeah. As opposed to, God, I have so much to offer here and I'm going to leverage that. And one thing that I think you already alluded to a little bit, but is a conflict, a lot of senior career transitioners face, or more senior, I should say, is that you're an executive at some in some field. You're in a very powerful position in one field. If you want to jump into a different field altogether, there's this presupposition that you might have to go down quite a few notches and be a beginner. And that feels Mm -hmm. extremely uncomfortable. 
I think that's really true. And you know, there's a corollary to that, Emily. Mm. You'd be really surprised at how many millionaire women I work with who who are rocking their career, but they don't really feel they are. Mm. Interesting. So if you take away their title and their salary, now they really feel like they're nothing. Right. Wow. Yeah. Oof. <sighs> I know. Painful. It's sad to hear how often our self-worth gets just wrapped right in to our job identity. And it's often why we stay in, you know, one of my chapters is, it's about the seven power gaps professional women face in my book. And one of them is acquiescing instead of saying stop to mistreatment. Right. You'd be shocked. Oh, well, you wouldn't be shocked. You, you work I've with this every it. day. Yeah, it's awful. No, you're absolutely right. That's a worthiness thing. Mm -hmm. It's really, why do we feel like we should tolerate this? Let me tell you the two other, three other steps to really making a successful career pivot change. The third is say yes to your compelling visions. And I have to offer the flip side. My son, who's 22, just graduated from college, saw that Mark Cuban said, if you really want to be rich, forget passion. And I, I want to slap him. Oh, not my son. <laughs> He's Mark not Cuban. my favorite. <laughs> Oh, I, it's such a male worldview. I, of course, if you if you're going to chuck everything and try to be a singer in the band, you're probably going to have a rough time. Right, I'm a singer. right. I know. But there are smart, wise, savvy ways to leverage what you care about in great, lucrative work. So, what I suggest people to do is think about what are the outcomes that you're going to feel excited about. Now that might mean you're going to do that on the side. You're not going to make a living of it. But most women don't even know how to answer this question. What is it that you would feel thrilled to participate in? What needle mm. do you want to move in the world? I mean, that's the first place to think to leverage your talents. The, the fourth step is explore it and try it on. And one way to do that for this woman you talk to and anyone else. Yeah. You need to start talking to people. Absolutely. Ooh, I cannot vote plus one, upvote that right? enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, get, love it. Get yeah. off the internet and talk to oh. real humans. Yes. Oh my God. You can't figure this out sitting alone looking at LinkedIn about what jobs right. you should apply to. Right. Forget it. Forget it. And you're going to talk to the 10 people that have been most instrumental. You're going to talk, you're going to get new mentors and sponsors, and you're going to say, I had a 20-year career that really rocked. Here's what I loved about it. You don't talk about what you hated. You talked about the, the pieces that made you feel alive. And you can say, I'm not sure where I could pivot now. Do you have any ideas for me? The two best questions are, do you have any ideas for me? And do you know anyone else who would be helpful to speak with? Hmm. You start talking. That's it. And then finally, you can't do this alone and in a vacuum. You know, that's why you work with Emily, folks. That's why you might work with me. There's accountability, there's structure, there's, there's someone there in your corner when you're down and go, what the heck? I don't know what I'm doing here. Yes. So those are the steps. I love them. I've got a, a big overarching question about those steps. And mm -hmm. I know we, we talked offline about this a little bit, but agree or disagree that for women in their 40s, 50s, and beyond, navigating a career transition is similar to younger women navigating a career transition. Is it more or less similar? Or, or do you think it's totally different? I think it's more similar. Okay. I think the differences, again, are timing matters. Mm -hmm. You're looking at, I know some of your people have said, I'm worried about retirement. Mm. So if if retirement funds are critical to you and they need to be critical to all of us. Yeah. Sometimes we're going to have to do different things than maybe we dream to do, but that doesn't mean, I always say this, 
do what you must to stay financially afloat, but always plant the seeds for your future self. Mm -hmm. Always. So even if you're going to have to stay in your job, like I have teacher friends, they're going to stay in their jobs three more years because their pension is 75% if they do. Right. Gosh, I wish I had that pension. What's a pension? So sometimes... I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know, right? My my whole generation weeps and is like, is social security a thing still? Yeah. No, we got to do a whole episode on that, but yes, oh, yeah. Oh, I know. So timing is something. Compromise yeah. is something, right? A legacy, the legacy you want to leave behind, and you only have a few more years to be thinking about that, you know, 30, 40 priorities. I interviewed a guy, Garrett Mintz, who runs Ambition in Motion, which is a mentorship matching organization. It's amazing. He was a teen drug dealer Whoa. who got caught, and it, it, his story is riveting. But he talks about, what do you want? Job, career, or calling? And he outlines it in this article that um, interview and um, that we did on Forbes. But I think this is an important question to ask yourself. Some people want a job that's going to afford them a, a, a way of living outside the job. Some people want a career that's kind of a linear progression of growth. Some people you can't ask for a calling, right? Emily, right. I think right. you have a calling. <laughs> I have a calling, and sometimes. A calling is detrimental to your health, to your checkbook, to your marriage. You don't choose a calling. It chooses you. But if you have it, what you want to think about is, how do I address that and fulfill that calling without being flattened in the process? But figure out what you want. Yeah. And and listeners, I've done a lot on personal finance this year on this podcast for a reason. I think we always have to be, uh, what is the right word here? Responsible in in terms of being solvent, as you said, and, and being considerate of making sure our financial ducks are in a row. But I also, and I don't know if it's because of your therapist vibes, but I I feel confessional in that. I also want to (laughs) say, I know as a 32 year old, I go out there and I, I share a lot about having the courage to to be assertive and ask for what you want out of your career and be willing to take risks to get more, whether it's money or fulfillment or purpose-driven work and make those pivots. And I often am approached by women older than I am who say, yeah, but you don't know what it's like. And you just don't understand the responsibilities that I have. And it's different for women in my age bracket. And of course I can't say, well, I know because I'm, I'm your peer. I can't say that I am who I am. I have the perspective I have, but I think it's important to keep in mind, we all have different privileges and challenges and constraints. And age is certainly one of them because ageism is real, which I want to ask you about. But I think it's important to underscore that it's not easy for any of us. And that age differs in terms of how you're going to be received sometimes, but a woman is never too old or too young, or she's never the right age in this world, right? The patriarchy always thinks we're either too young or too old to do something. I got to ask you a question, Emily. When they say that, do you think they mean you don't understand how hard it is and how risky it is because I have children at home that I have to take care of and feed financially. Is that what yeah, they're saying? I think so. You young whippers. Okay, yeah, whippers. So I'm 59 <laughs> people and I work with women who are 38 to 55 yeah. primarily. And I'm going to say something that's going to piss people off. <laughs> I often hear a litany of why I can't have a happier career mm-hmm. and what I know them to be now are excuses. I know that because I made them. 
So what I would say back to someone who says, you don't really understand, Emily. I mean, I, I'm not saying you should say it, but I'm 59. I can say <laughs> exactly. it because I work with this. Exactly. I'm just going to give them your card. <laughs> yes. I would say, I so hear the pressures that you feel that are real. That doesn't mean you should stay in a job or a career that you hate. Right. They're not equated. Right. There's no reason you have to stay not being paid what you deserve, not doing work that you love. This is my belief. We all came here for a reason. And when you're 90 looking back, do you want to have blown it? Do you want, I remember feeling at 40 when I had, you know, 12 hidden crises that I write about my first book, chronic illness, narcissistic bosses, toxic colleagues, gender bias, and sexual harassment. Mm. But worse than all of that was waking up every day saying, is this what I'm going to be doing for a living? I don't think there's any reason you have to live like that. Yeah. None. I agree. I agree. And it's important to differentiate between these systemic things like you just rattled off there that we shouldn't have to deal with which are, you know, forces of oppression and injustice that you're that we're all up against versus your choices, your behaviors in right. light of those realities. So, let's talk about right. ageism for just a moment here. Where mm-hmm. do you see ageism pop up in career transitioners of a certain age and how do you advise them in navigating the the world of unconscious bias? as it intersects between gender and age? So this is such a hard, complex question, and I don't want to oversimplify it and make it sound all sweet and easy. It isn't. There is age bias, 100%. Right. And one client of mine where it shows up, I think, a lot, there are fields that are predominantly under 30, like digital marketing people. Sure. Uh, most really, you know, up and coming fantastic companies, their digital marketing team are all under 30. This woman was 55 and she had an incredible history, but she's older and she wasn't moving forward. And in her interviews, she was interviewing, interviewing and not, not getting the jobs. And I finally said, and she thought it's age. I said, listen, there is age bias, but what are we going to do about it? Are you right. going to sit back and not go for what you want? I want you to understand what you're great at. And I want you, I call it closure power gap. In her mind, I think she was gapped in a certain skill set that younger people have more readily. Mm. They've been trained at it. They had a certificate in it. She didn't feel she had it. I said, that's the gap I want you to close mm-hmm. because you have amazing experience at 54 And she closed that gap. She started speaking differently about herself. She has a fantastic job now. Awesome. So yeah, there's bias. But what are we going to do? Sit back and and just cry about it? We have to overcome it. Right. And that's by making yourself as competitive as possible, closing the power gaps that you feel that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not quick enough, you're not young enough. If you feel that, that's the energy that you're going to put out. Yeah. Yeah. I could not agree. More. What do you think? I agree. Mm-hmm. No, plus one. I, I, I uh, <laughs> me too. You know, hashtag me too. I, I'm on board with everything you just said. And I could talk with you forever. I think we have laid out some really practical and actionable next steps for folks. And that's what I love about your advice is that it's grounded in experience and it's applicable. And 
the last questions I have for you is for folks who want to find out more, I'm going to link to your amazing podcast, Finding Brave, Thank which they you. should check out while they're, mm-hmm. while they're in their podcast app here. But where else should our listeners go to follow you and the great advice you're giving and the great work that you're providing? What can, what can they do if they want to learn more? Thank you, Emily. So the first place is kathycaprino.com and there is just a plethora of free stuff there. You can follow my videos on YouTube. So all the podcasts on findingbrave.org are on uh, YouTube as well as videos. Awesome. I do have a course, amazingcareerproject.com and that's a group course. But if you just want the video training, that's amazingcareerproject.com backslash video series. So you can start there and always reach out. My favorite place is LinkedIn. So um, connect with me there and share with me your question. I'll do my best to send you resources and help that address that. Fantastic, Kathy. Thanks so much for your time today. It's always a delight. Oh, Emily, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for the great work you're doing in the world. It's so inspiring, Emily. If you want to learn more about the resources we mentioned in today's conversation, head to bossedup.org slash episode 176 to find all the links and more details on where you can find out more about Kathy Caprino and her excellent work. And now it's time for this week's boss move moment of the week. We've got an awesome boss move here that came in from Kelly in the Bossed Up Courage community who said this, quote, I just spoke my mind about what's wrong with our company culture. It was an open invitation meeting with my supervisor's boss to discuss our company culture survey. I didn't hold back. I now have a one hour meeting with my boss's boss on the calendar to discuss my concerns further. He also told me that we owe you some feedback too. I'm feeling empowered and glad that I spoke up. Kelly, congratulations. Way to own your voice. Way to lead like a boss. Speaking up like this, especially in a contrarian kind of way is never easy, but it is part of what can establish you as a leader in your own right. So congratulations. If you've got a boss move to share or a career conundrum you want me to break down on the podcast next, give us a ring right now on the Bossed Up Podcast hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. If you found today's episode inspiring and full of great insights, especially for folks who are navigating career transition after, I don't know, 40 years old or feeling more mature navigating a job search or more seasoned and experienced navigating a career change, make sure to take a moment right now and share this episode with them or share it on social media far and wide. Tag me at Emily Aries or at bossedup.org so we can amplify your voice too. Thanks as always for listening. Until next time, keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.